Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sharon. Joining you, Eric Lopez has the night off, and we're starting our uh, fall sport previews here in uh, episode two. As we uh, we're going to be going through all the fall sports, uh, talking with all the head coaches, um, and we're starting off with UCF women's soccer here in episode two. And head coach Tiffany Roberts Sahedak will be our special guest. She's heading into her fourth season at UCF after taking over for Amanda Cromwell. Coach Roberts Sahedak, uh, also a former member of the U.S. national team, spent ten years with the U.S. national team. We're going to talk about uh, her experience. Uh, we're going to talk about her at UCF. And her team coming in that uh, last year uh, fought through a really tough schedule, finished third in the conference, got knocked out in the first round of the NCAAs. But uh, before we do that, we wanted to remind you, of course, to uh, subscribe to our podcast, uh, if you haven't already, on uh, iTunes, uh, also uh, Google Play. And uh, we're working on uh, Stitcher. We're having some problems getting the, getting our Stitcher feed up and running, but I'm going to be working on that and fixing that in the coming uh, days here. Uh, also, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. That's B A N N E R E T. You can uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash black and gold Banneret. And you can also uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon, and Eric Lopez is at Eric Lopez Elo. So without further ado, let's talk about UCF women's soccer. Head coach Tiffany uh, Roberts Hadak's team last year. Finished 12-6-2, and 6-3 and three in the American Athletic Conference, uh, which was good enough for third in the league, but they finished the season 27th uh, in the national RPI. Uh, they made it to uh, the American Athletic Conference semis in the tournament, but lost one to nothing in two overtimes to USF. USF went on to lose the championship game to Cincinnati uh, in PKs after, scoreless, after a scoreless game. Uh, then the UCF got an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament where they uh, hosted William & Mary but lost after a scoreless game on PKs 3-1. to one. Uh, This coming off an NCAA Sweet 16 year in 2014. Last year they had a bunch of newcomers, but this year they have a bunch of returning players. 11 returning players who clocked time in at least uh, 10 matches last year. Uh, this year the Knights... Uh, also welcome in 10 newcomers that have national team experience in their youth in whichever country that they may be from, from various uh, different countries uh, on this team, which is uh, Coach Roberts Hadak uh, and her husband Tim have done a wonderful job of recruiting uh, the international circles as well. Uh, it's a tough schedule for UCF this year. They're receiving votes in the uh, NSCAA uh, preseason poll, not in the top 25, but receiving votes. Uh, but they can climb up the, those polls pretty quickly because they play five teams uh, that are ranked in the preseason poll in their schedule, including their first two matches, uh, August 19th and 21st, their first two regular season matches. They travel up to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and they start the season with number nine, North Carolina. Two days later, they got number three, Duke. So that's going to be a tough start to the season. The Knights also face uh, number seven, uh, or excuse me, number uh, 24, South Carolina at home on August 28th. That's three days after their home opener, which is against UMass on Thursday, August 25th. Uh, another notable home game, September 2nd, which is a Friday, at, uh, or excuse me, um, that's a road game, rather, uh, against Oklahoma State on September 2nd. And then uh, back in Central Florida on the road, September 4th, uh, Sunday, uh, re- renewing their rivalry at Stetson. 
a couple big in-state games that they got in the non-conference schedule. Home for FIU on September 8th at Florida Gulf Coast on September 11th. Florida Gulf Coast, by the way, receiving votes, defending Atlantic Sun champions. And then September 18th on Gain- in Gainesville, that's a Sunday, they head to the University of Florida to take on the uh, number seven ranked Gators uh, heading into uh, the conference schedule, which starts September 29th at home with Houston and then SMU a couple days later. Uh, the Knights play at South Florida on October 7th. Home matches against Cincinnati, East Carolina uh, to close out the uh, conference uh, schedule. And then the American Athletic Conference Championship begins at, campus, at, at the campus site of the regular season winner, November 2nd through the 6th. The championship game is scheduled for uh, the 6th. As far as notable players, Carol Rodriguez returns to UCF. She was the American Athletic Conference Co-Offensive Player of the Year last year, scoring 11 goals. That was tied for the team lead with Ashley Spivey, uh, but Ashley is gone. She uh, graduated last year. Also coming back for the Knights, Kayla Adamek, first team All-American Athletic Conference, and Vera Varis in goal, who is an All-American Athletic Conference uh, rookie team member and also on the uh, All-Tournament team. So uh, quite a bit of production coming back for uh, Coach Robert Sahadak, who uh, graduated from UNC back in 2005. Uh, she and her husband, Tim, uh, are a package deal here at UCF. Um, and by the way, uh, the, uh, the next regular season victory for UCF will mark uh, Tiffany's 100th win as a college head coach. Uh, she's a native of San Ramon, California. And uh, if you know anything about U.S. soccer, then uh, Coach Robert Sahidak is a familiar name, of course, because she spent 10 years on the USA national team from 1994 to 2004. She's got a gold medal from the 96 Atlanta Olympics. Uh, she played alongside Michelle Akers on that team. Of course, the UCF great. Uh, three appearances in the World Cup, including uh, she's a 99er, member of the 1999 World Cup team, 110 caps, uh, 60 starts for Tiffany in her USA career. Her first one came when she was just 16 years old, uh, and she played in her first World Cup one month after she turned 18. She finished up her career in 2004 with the U.S. national team uh, as well. Uh, as far as uh, her work at UCF, uh, like we said, she's in. Uh, she's been to the NCAA tournament all three years. Two-time Atlantic, Sun, or excuse me, American Athletic Conference. Uh, Coach of the Year, and at UCF, she is 46-14-6. and six. Uh, She recorded back-to-back AAC championships in 2013 and 14. Uh, players of hers have won six Conference Player of the Year awards, 25 All-League and Tournament selections. Uh, she has continued, and uh, I would say she has expanded the greatness of UCF uh, women's soccer in her uh, short period of time after she took over for another uh, UC, uh, U.S. national team member who was a longtime head coach at UCF, Amanda Cromwell. Uh, Tiffany roberts Haydack has really done a fantastic job uh, moving UCF up the ranks and making them a serious contender year in and year out, not just in the American Athletic Conference, uh, but on a national level. So without further ado, uh, here is our interview with Head coach Tiffany Roberts Hadek of UCF Women's Soccer. How was your summer? I'm doing great. Summer's busy with camps, recruiting as always, and uh, now just enjoying. Uh, obviously, our preseason has kicked off. All right, so let's talk about uh, last year. You guys finished third in the league, uh, but 27th in the RPI. 
Um, lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to William and Mary in a tough one. It went to PKs. It was a scoreless game. Uh, now that you have the benefit of um, some time to sort of look back on it, right? Uh, do you view last year as something to build on, or maybe there were some missed opportunities? I think a little bit of both, you know, but I am a very positive person, so I, I usually look at it as something to build on. So, mm-hmm. you know, last year we had a lot of new players, and so we were actually fairly young, and this year we're returning a lot more. So going into last season, we had lost nine starters. So based on that, I feel like we had a positive uh, season, a successful season. Of course, we always want to win the championship and make it past that first round, but the 27 RPI and um, getting to host that first round of the NCAA tournament was was great. You know, I I was interested because your scheduling has been unbelievably hard. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to lie to you. I mean, I'm you... wondering what I'm doing to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you, what's your scheduling philosophy given UCF's position, you know, nationally speaking, you know, the Knights are seen as a really, really good non-power team. So what do you try to do when you fill out a schedule the way you do? Honestly, I want to prepare my team as well as possible. And I feel like the best way to learn about ourselves and to grow is to schedule the hardest schedule possible. So if we have an opportunity to play Carolina and Duke in our first weekend, like we are this year, then I want to take advantage of that. So um, when you're stretched that way um, and you're competing against the best, you really know where you stand. And then we can learn from, you know, a lot about ourselves early on the season so that when conference starts, um, we can we can be ready and we have confidence. Yeah, you know, you guys are playing. I, I saw the uh, com- or the uh, coaches poll came out. You guys are playing five teams ranked in the preseason poll. Duke's number three, Florida's number seven, Carolina's number nine. Uh, UConn is the top ranked American this year, uh, American team this year at fifteen. Carolina, South Carolina is at twenty four, and then on top of that, you've also got Florida Gulf Coast and USF receiving votes. So, ah, just another easy schedule, right? <laughs> oh yeah, and like I said, I, I stress out every year when I look at the schedule and say, "What did I do?" But um, I do it because I know it prepares ourselves for conference and. Honestly, if we can win some of those big games, you know, it helps us in the NCAA tournament time if we don't win the conference championship. So, you know, uh, we want to position ourselves to get to the NCAA tournament every year. How tough is the American in women's soccer, really? I mean, is it the equivalent of what we would call a a Power 5 league in football or basketball? You know, since last year, they were the four seed and they won the whole thing. So how tough is this league? It is tough, and it's really, you know, anybody, and that's how soccer is. It's on any given day, it's anybody's game to win, you know, yeah. and um, that's what makes it the, the sport exciting. But, you know, we had a very strong uh, conference last year um, with, with UConn, and South Florida had, I think, one of the best teams they've ever had in, in history of their program. Cincinnati came up and, and won the conference, so um, tough, tough conference. Let's talk about your players. Carol Rodriguez is coming back. Um, she shared the lead in goals with 11 last year with Ashley Spivey, but uh, Ashley's gone now. So how has Carol been working this summer to uh, step it up uh, now that it's going to be, now that she's going to have quite a bit of the scoring weight on her shoulders? Yeah, Carol is, um, you know, she trains like a pro in the off season. So um, she, she wants to play professionally after she's done uh, playing college soccer. Um, her mentality, she just has a great training mentality, competitive spirit, and great leadership skills. 
um, and a great, just positive, enthusiastic energy about her. So um, she's ready. She's trained. Uh, she's fit. Uh, she actually uh, trained with Orlando Pride over the summer a little bit, um, and so I think that benefited her as well. Tell me about Kayla Adamek and Vera and Vera Varis. You know, Varis back in, back there in goal. Um, Kayla is obviously doing a lot of work for you up front too, and in the midfield. How have their off seasons gone, and how have they gotten better in preparation for 2016? Yeah, Kayla Adamek. You know, she you know dealt with some injuries last season. Um, so I'm really glad that the the conference you know voted her as all conference player um, because she just really leads by example. She has an amazing work ethic. And, you know, her freshman year, um, she, she had a lot of points for our team. So I'm hoping, you know, now that she's healthy, she took the summer, she's healthy, she's played in, she's fit, um, she's feeling really confident right now. So she should be able to help our team with uh, points and, and help Carol there. And then you mentioned Vera Veras. Um, she was a young, young player new to our, our roster last year, and she just got better with every game and became uh, a wall for us. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just excited that we get her with one year now under her belt. She's going to be great. One of my favorite stats about your team this year, coming into this year, Coach, is that you have 10 newcomers with national team experience. So what kind of expectations do you have for your new players coming in, and who should we look out for as uh, some key newcomers this year? Okay, so that, that's a great stat. I love it. Um, and, and having that, that national team experience, you know, helps out a lot. So you may have a freshman coming in like a Julia Ekholm from Sweden. Um, although she's a freshman, uh, she's played in, in the U19 Euros with Sweden. Um, she's probably going to make the U20 World Cup team this year for Sweden uh, this fall. So uh, even though she's a freshman, she has loads of international experience. Um, which helps being able to plug a freshman in and have way more experience than kind of that, that average freshman that comes in. So Julia is someone to watch. Um, I'm really excited about Carrie Lawrence, who is a transfer from South Carolina. Um, she's only a sophomore, but she plays with so much intelligence and she plays with so much um, maturity, really, for just being a sophomore. And she's a, a Florida girl, Orlando girl, hometown girl, came back to us. So... Um, I'm really excited about these two players. What's going to be what, what's the one thing that you look at when you kind of sit back and you think about this team this year in preparation for your season where you're like, okay, if we do this this one or two or three things, we're going to have a really good season. So I think the first thing is just really like our chemistry. Um, it sounds a little bit cliche, but having played on on good teams <laughs> in yeah. my career and it, it really always came down to that, that chemistry and being on the same page and having this team-first mentality, um, you know, just making sure we have that chemistry off the field. It's so important, that leadership, and um, we're working on that. Um, and the leadership right now, I mentioned Carol, and we have a Saga Fredrickson who's going to be a junior from Sweden. Um, we have really good leadership, so that's um, one main focus, make sure we're all on the same page off the field. And then I think tactically, um, I would love just defensively to be solid, um, very organized, and, uh, again, making sure we're on the same page uh, well. So uh, I'd like to start off with that, and then we've work, been working on attack, but I'm not going to give you all my, I'm not going to give you all my, my uh, secrets. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> 
No, it's it, but it's funny you mention that because I think that's one of those you know team chemistry is one of the things that you know cuts across sports. That's it's so hard to figure out. It's it's you know sometimes I like to call it alchemy because you just don't know whether it's going to. So, sometimes you think it works and it doesn't, and sometimes it doesn't work, and then all of a sudden it does. You know, it, oh, is true, yeah. is it. Uh, how much having those you know newcomers from last year coming back that's got to help a lot though doesn't it oh definitely because you know they have that year of experience and that year of, of listening to their coaches and listening to their teammates and we've got a great core of players that are back and then they become the leaders for the new ones you know this is our standard and this is how we train and this is our behavior off the field and uh you know uh, we take care of each other you know, things like that. So we have a core group of players that are back that can teach the young ones coming in. You know, you're, you were on the night, you at Team USA, won a gold medal in 1996. Uh, obviously, you know, 99 was when women's soccer really sprung onto the scene here in the United States. Um, you know, now it, I, I think that, and, and I'm interested to know what you think about this. You know, I think back then, the United States as a, as a sporting public wasn't quite ready to embrace soccer as, or as ready as it is now. And we've seen how MLS has picked up with the men's game. We see the women's league really, um, really coming into its own, um, United States winning the world cup, uh, last year as well. You know, here in town, of course, we have the Orlando pride. You mentioned Carol Rodriguez was training with them and, and I'm sure you see the little magnets on the cars all over town now. So how has the, the, boom in soccer, particularly in the women's game, um, helped out the talent market in Florida and particularly Central Florida? How, how has that um, helped in terms of player development? Um, our sport has grown, you know, since 96 or 1999 World Cup when we won. Um, you know, there's just, I mean, obviously it started back with Title IX and they're just starting to have more opportunities. But, you know, now, now parents, now what I'm realizing are the parents of players have played the sport. Back when we played, it's like my dad didn't play soccer and my mom didn't play soccer. Mm-hmm. But now you talk to kids that are being recruited, their parents played soccer, you know, at some level. And so I think that's part of it, the participation and, um, and the support from, from parents. But um, it, it helps in recruiting, obviously, with, with the boom. And Florida is just a, a great uh, state to recruit in, and that was one of the, the biggest reasons why Tim, my husband, and I wanted to, to take this job at UCF, because we really felt like um, we, can, we can go hard, you know, uh, in recruiting in our, in our own state here. Um, there's a lot of talent. We have a lot of competition in Florida with the other uh, universities and other colleges, but um, I think those are a lot of good players to go around here in uh, Florida, so... Um, I love that it's popular. I love that Orlando City and Orlando Pride um, are supported so well in this city. And I really feel like Orlando is a soccer city, and so that helps in recruiting too. So even if you're recruiting internationally, most internationals have heard of Orlando. You have Disney World. um, And then uh, the fact that Orlando Pride is in your backyard and, and the professional coach can come watch your games, you know, that can't hurt either. So... Um, there's a lot of soccer going on in Orlando, so it's really fun to be part of. You know, that reminds me of another question. I've always been curious about how does how does this work with you and your husband Tim? I mean, do you guys talk <laughs> do, do you guys talk soccer like over dinner with the girls around, or do you guys like leave it outside when we when we come in after you know and have dinner together after work? We don't talk about soccer. 
No, we don't. We don't have rules like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> because we are so passionate about our job. We're so passionate about this sport. We love what we do, so we can't help it. Um, I think the, the main times where we're like, okay, we got to cut it off is, you know, for, we have two little girls, and they don't want to hear about us, you know, talking about recruiting sometimes. So there are times where we're like, okay, we need to, you know, just talk about the girls and ask them questions and find out what's going on in their life and, and uh, spend time with them. So we kind of have to be aware of that, obviously, when we go home. But Tim and I enjoy what we do so much that it doesn't ever feel like work. Well, your track record speaks for itself, certainly. I wanted to talk about, um, you know, obviously it's the Olympics now. Um, yeah. USA in preliminary play doing, obviously, as well as everyone could expect right now. Um, I always wonder this. How are the, I mean, we know how big the World Cup is, and obviously the Olympics too, but um, there's obviously that gap between, you know, the importance of the Olympics in the men's game compared to the women's game. How are the Olympics different from the World Cup, and how do they stack up for one another for someone who played on the national team? You know, I get that question a lot, and I'm I'm still not sure if I have a really good answer for that because they're just I see them really as two really special tournaments and events to be a part of. And every time, you know, every my Olympic experience and then each World Cup experience has been so different and all special in their own way. So, like in '96, it being the inaugural year that women's soccer ever appeared in the Olympics, that made it his, that made it special. The fact that we won the first gold medal ever, you know, in history, obviously that was um, special. And, and then the Olympics for me personally, being American growing up, like I wasn't watching um, women's soccer players on TV, so I connected with the Olympics a little bit more because I could watch gymnasts and track and field athletes and swimmers and, um, that were female. And so I connected with that more than like a World Cup where I only saw men. So personally, the Olympics in 96 was so special to me because that was a dream of mine since I was a little girl. But then as I got older, you know, when I, when I watched the 91 World Cup, I remember my, uh, my um, high school coach said, hey, you need to watch this um, in 91. I have some tape for you to watch of a World Cup. And from then, and um, I watched, I was like, oh, I want to play on the national team. So I was in 1991 and then in 94, actually started training with the team, so not too many years after. But anyway, the World Cup um, in 99 was so special in itself, like I said, just because we were not expecting for it to blow up, like, in that fashion, the way that it just snowballed. and The whole country jumped on board and became this this um, phenomenon, you know. Um, so just totally different and both very special. It's hard for me to choose one over the other. Yeah, 100,000 people in the Rose Bowl, that'll do it. It sure will. <laughs> How tight are you with Team USA now? You still keep in touch with your old teammates and everything? Yeah, funny you ask, because we just got an email from the press officer um, yesterday, who is Aaron Heisitz, and he is the current press officer. So he's been with U.S. Soccer for a long time. And he emailed uh, the 96 team um, and just said, you know, happy anniversary. And, and it was pretty cool. So right now we have this uh this uh, the string of emails going back and forth, and we're all talking about having a reunion here soon, so maybe in January. But um, you know, we're we're close. It's not like we talk every day, but you know, you have that special bond with teammates, and when you win a gold medal together, you kind of stay family forever. So it's nice that you can kind of call on one another if you need to. If you come into the city that you know one of your teammates lives in, it's, we always try to do our best to stay in touch and see each other. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, here's to that happy anniversary. Thanks. <laughs> 
All right, time now for speed round. I'm going to ask you a bunch of these questions in sort of rapid fire, and then you give me the answers back in rapid fire. This is going to be fun. All right, now you're the okay. first. You're the first coach we've ever had on the show on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. So, th- so we're going to see how this goes, and I think you're. I think you're going to enjoy it. So, all right, ready? Okay. Okay. okay here we go. Let's start the clock. All right. Who's the athlete you loved the most growing up? Michelle Akers. Oh, great answer. I love that. Who's, <laughs> who, yeah, that's right. Who's the athlete you hated the most growing up? Okay, I know. I, I have no idea. I, I didn't really hate anybody. <laughs> not, not, even, not even like in, not even like some other sport, like you know, like you know, like Bill Lane Beer of the Detroit Pistons or something. <laughs> oh, I really just didn't have any of those emotions. <laughs> oh, you're, gosh, you're so nice. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, who was your favorite coach when you were growing up? I think the first person that comes to mind is, um, his name is Nick Sten, and he was my club coach forever. <laughs> awesome. Who is, what's your favorite meal? Cheeseburger, french fries, and milkshake. Oh, now Classic. we're talking. Yes. After a long day of work, you and Tim come home, you open the fridge, and you pour yourself a nice glass of what? I go for... Cabernet. I'll go for. He's different from me. He drinks the beer. I drink glass of red wine. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, favorite musical artist or band? I um, uh, that's always so hard. But um, I'll go with uh, Chainsmokers. They're kind of hot right now. Okay. Favorite actor or actress? Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Uh, TV channel that's all on all the time in the background in your office. Oh, in my office. I would say usually like Fox Sports or something, but at home, randomly, it's HGTV. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite place to be in the city of Orlando that is not your house or the office? Lake Eola. Best player you've ever coached against? Uh, Tobin Heath. Best coach you've ever coached against? I'll just stick with the Tar Heels. Anson Dorrance. Best team you've ever seen play in any sport? That would have to be Real Madrid. Yeah. Most famous person you've ever had an extended conversation with? Believe it or not, Nelson Mandela. Really? Wow. When did you talk to Nelson Mandela? I was at the 99 World Cup team was up for the team of the year in the uh, Laureate Awards uh, in 2000, and he was the guest speaker there. All right, I'm stopping the clock. I need to know more about this. What was what was it like? What did what did you guys talk about? Um, honestly, he was so amazing. I was just in awe. Um, there it wasn't just me. There were other athletes around, and um, he was just talking about uh, talking to us just about the power of sport. And I mean, he had some significant athletes in front of him, and and how to use your sport to um, change society. So it was pretty deep, but. Um, but it was pretty cool that you could just sit there and listen to him. Um, something I'll never forget. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So, uh, all right, let's start the clock again. Here we go. If it wasn't for soccer, you would be doing what with your life? Uh, I think, uh, like a social worker, like a counselor or something. But then I also have this other side of me who's like a party planner. So like a wedding planner is so random. (laughs) fantastic you must be a really good game planner if that's the case uh if it wasn't for soccer you would have played what other sport okay i'm not saying i'd be good at it but i would like to play beach volleyball Hmm. what's uh give me the place that you're going to buy your retirement home in hawaii 
Oh, yes. My wife and I, uh, we, we did our honeymoon in Hawaii. Oh, my God. Love it. Maui and Kauai. Oh, yeah. Which island? Well, I've never been to Maui or Kauai, but oh. um, I feel like that is a place that I would love to, to be, although I haven't been there yet. Oh, you gotta you gotta go to you gotta go to Maui and you gotta go up to the top of the volcano and you gotta bike down. That's what my wife and I did on our honeymoon. It was amazing. Okay, I'll put that on my bucket yes, list. That's on the bucket list. Do it next summer, trust me. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, you're on a desert island. What you're on a deserted island rather. What movie is playing on repeat on the TV that you have? Have you seen Sixteen Candles? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Molly Ringwald, right? My favorite. Molly Ringwald, right? You got it. That's right. Yep. Uh, favorite professional team in any sport other than your own? Oakland A's. That's where I grew up. Oakland A's. Okay, there you go. Um, favorite sports moment you did not participate in? Okay, I remember Mary Lou Retton winning a gold medal in the 84 Olympics. There you go. First American gold in gymnastics, right? Yep. All right. If you could change one on-field rule in women's soccer right now, what would it be? For college, I would say, like, no overtime in regular season. The season's too short and too condensed for the girls to have to add all those minutes on. If you could change one off-field rule, what would it be? So, I I would like our season to be extended. It's too short. Uh, I always thought that, too, because when I was... When I was working at UCF, and I still think this, it's like you blink and then the season's over, and then you have yeah. the field of 64, which is three weeks, and it's like they try and get the season done before Thanksgiving. You barely have enough time to put the team together. Yeah, we have eight days. Preseason starts, and you have eight days before your exhibition match, and, right. that's, and you have a brand-new team every year. So one week before the season to start is not enough time. <laughs> best three uh, all right here we go last three questions best piece of advice you've ever gotten control what you can control and don't ever make any excuses who gave you that piece of advice um my dad is like don't ever make excuses <laughs> and control what you can control is a, a former professional coach of mine marcia mcdermott who is currently at west point best thing a player ever told you i think just um I've had a couple of players just say thank you, you know, like thank you for believing in me, and uh, and I love that. All right, last question. Here we go. What's the one book you think everyone should read? The Alchemist. Who wrote that? Paolo. It's a Brazilian guy. Hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like Paolo Coelho, something like that. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's speed round. I don't know how to pronounce it. I know. I got to look it up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull it up on Amazon right now. So. Okay. All cool. Right. All right. So that's speed round with uh, Tiffany Roberts Sahedak and uh, Coach. You've got your exhibition game coming up against Miami on uh, Thursday night, August 11th, and then the season starts uh, right after that. As we take a look at the uh, schedule here, of course, you guys are going on the road. You've got Duke and Carolina on the road to start the season. First home match against UMass, August 25th. That's a Thursday night. And then uh, three days later against South Carolina at the UCF Soccer Complex. Make sure you come on out. Tickets are on sale, including season tickets on sale for UCF Women's Soccer uh, as they start another run towards hopefully an American Conference Championship and another run in the NCAA. So head coach Tiffany Roberts-Sahedak, thank you so much for joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And uh, Good luck in your first three uh, first three games. We'll see you on uh, Thursday night against Miami, and then we'll catch you for the regular season home opener against UMass. 
Thank you. I had fun. All right. Thank you, Coach. And once again, uh, that was Coach Tiffany Roberts-Sahedak, the head coach of UCF Women's Soccer. They've got a uh, their first uh, season opening uh, exhibition match. Uh, they play one exhibition. It's at home, and it's against the Miami Hurricanes. That's Thursday, August 11th at 7 uh, p.m. Eastern at the UCF Soccer Complex on campus. And then, like we said, they've got a tough non-conference schedule starting on the road, back-to-back, North Carolina and Duke up in the Triangle in North Carolina before they have their home regular season opener uh, against UMass on August 25th. That's a Thursday night at 7 p.m. Again, season tickets are on sale for uh, UCF, and it costs just $30. It's a pretty reasonable price. Uh, And that includes one general admission ticket to every home game and a UCF soccer scarf, and those are pretty cool, too. UCF also has uh, South Carolina on August 28th at home, FIU September 8th, uh, and don't forget, big game at Florida in Gainesville. Hoping, hoping to get some UCF fans up to uh, up to uh, Gatortown on September 18th for that game, uh, as well as the uh, and then it's to the conference schedule. September 29th against Houston is the uh, home conference opener. So that wraps it up for our first preview interview with UCF women's soccer head coach Tiffany Roberts Sahadak. We've got a few more coming for you in the works. We're going to get. Uh, head volleyball coach Todd Dagenet to discuss his team coming into the 2016 team, 2016 season rather, as well as Brian Cunningham, the head men's soccer coach uh, at UCF. And we're going to dive into uh, various different topics with them as well. Hope you uh, will subscribe to us once again on iTunes if you haven't already, as well as uh, on Google Play. Look out for us on Stitcher as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret and also on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, you can sign up for an email newsletter, get the newest stuff uh, delivered right to your e- email inbox. If you go to blackandgoldbanneret.com, uh, anything that's new that pops up there, uh, it'll be in your inbox first if you sign up for uh, email alerts uh, from the Black and Gold Banneret. So, Uh, Once again, for the absent Eric Lopez, my name is Jeff Sharon. Thank you so much for listening to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you later on this week with some more fall sport previews. For now, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thanks for listening to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.